Welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Crystal. Um, I'm one of the pastors here at Northview Church in Abbotsford. Um, I'm here with my friends Thalia and Erin. So why don't you guys introduce yourselves? I'm Thalia. I'm one of the pastors on staff. I'm in the care department. And you may not know that we have a new care pastor in our midst. We have Paul Siemens, who's our teaching associate pastor, but he's joined Vic and I for 15 to 20 hours a week. So we've got him on board doing uh, working with men, couples, families. He's going to join the marriage area. He's learning to do funerals, weddings. It's great. It's awesome. It's like mm-hmm. your first intern, really, because you've yeah. never had an intern before. No, and it eases the load. A yeah. lot of people are always concerned about the load. And right. so this is really great to have him on board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. And I'm Erin. I have no fancy titles. I'm Erin. Erin <laughs> is enjoying having her three kids at day camp this week or at camp. Yes. Yeah. Camp or volunteering or yeah. day camp itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're at school. With your having your kids in school, but it's summertime. That's right. Strange. Good thing. Yeah, we're going to talk today about transitions. Um, We were just recognizing the fact that a lot of us are going into transitions this next year, and we'll share what some of those are. And that there's lots of emotions surrounding transitions. And so Thalia was looking online to say, like, what kind of resources are that I could point people to? And there really isn't anything. No, you can look up stress, anxiety grief but there's nothing run-of-the-mill on my christian websites that i like so much on just run-of-the-mill transitions positive or negative so they're talking more about kind of the outcomes maybe of some Mm -hmm. transitions but not necessarily just how to cope with them and to recognize the fact that there are going to be transitions in our life yeah i was a bit disappointed so i thought okay then we need to see what we can do to equip the people that listen to this podcast. Yeah, yeah for sure. Because right from day one, we start as kids having transitions and it just continues all through our lives. I know yeah. we think sometimes we can stop that process, but it just, you can't. No. Nope. No. Nope. Some of us have more stable lives and some more fluid, but there are still things that we're going to have to cope with that we didn't expect or yeah, see coming. So we thought we'd start with a few personal stories. Um, of transitions, maybe one kind of growing up story and then one current one that you're working through. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when I was growing up, we moved a lot. We had a lot of experience with transitions. And what does a lot mean? Uh, um, uh, before I was 30, I had moved about 30 times. Oh boy. That so is crazy. That's a lot. At the house we live in right now, I've lived in for nine years. That's like a record. Wow. Never done that. I'm Miss Stable right now. So was this like between cities and towns and stuff? Some was between cities and some was just in the same community, just needed to move on to a different home. So Mm -hmm. a lot of school changes as well? Some. My mom was pretty good about trying to stay in the same neighborhoods when we stayed in the same city. But yes, many transitions that way. And I remember one, as I was reflecting this week um, on this topic, of one that I did particularly badly. Mm -hmm. I was 13. We moved from Prince George to Abbotsford during spring break, bad time of year to do it, moving from semester system to full year system. And everybody in the community that we met during that week said, oh, I can't believe you're gonna be going to that junior high. That's a really bad one. This is as you're starting, like getting ready for that first week of school? in the door So that was your preconceived idea. And I was bitter about being here in Abbotsford already. So I go there and- And you're 13. And 13 is horrible. (laughs) Oh, was that grade eight? Yeah. So I got there and I was pretty prickly. I had a a total chip on my shoulder. I wasn't kind to people. I was very snobby about the school I come from. That was so amazing. (laughs) And eventually after months, hey, (laughs) after a few months, a gal that I had kind of befriended, she came up to me and she said, do you know why nobody's being friendly to you or why you're not making friends? Because we are a very friendly school. It's because you are, your attitude is kind of a bummer. And she gave me an attitude check 
and it was great. And I kind of adjusted from there and realized in hindsight, like how horrible I had been. Just not a friendly person. Wow. Yeah. Good for her as yes. a 13 year old. That takes a lot of guts. A lot of us yeah. don't have the courage yeah. to say that to somebody. Yeah. So I'm sorry, now. all those people out there at Clearbrook Jr. <laughs> for my grade eight year. <laughs> so rude. And in your adult life, you've transitioned a lot too. Tell people a little bit. Yeah, we moved countries when we were married for about two years. And we w- moved to an African country for seven years and then transitioned back to Abbotsford again after that. And in the recent past, I've been, um, my all three of my kids have been in school as of September. That this just passed September like a year day. ago. So that's been a bit of a funny transition for me because we weren't in a position as a family for me to be working outside of the home at that point. Okay. So it's been a weird year with less structures and kind of, uh, what Not do, knowing what, what to do with what yourself. Do I do? And trying to figure out what that looks like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. How about you, Thalia? So my parents moved to BC from Manitoba when I was three. And then we moved a lot as well, sort of within sort of the lower mainland, Burnaby, Port Moody, North Vancouver. So a lot of different homes, five different mm-hmm. schools between grade one and grade 12. Uh, the last change, significant one was in grade 12, I moved to a new school. Uh. Yeah, so a lot of transitions. I mostly handled them well. My brother, two years younger than me, not so much. Struggle, uh, change was always a big struggle for him. And then grade 12 was a new school. Bible College was a new school, University of BC, Trinity Western. We've moved out to Abbotsford. And here I've been in the same house for 13 years. And that's very weird because I'm not used to being in one spot. I don't think I've learned the skills of that so well. Do you get itchy? Yeah. I'm like, let's move on. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, because I'm so used to transition that to stay in one spot is really tough. And now we're headed into a season where um, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to go. Our oldest is heading to Trinity Western, Ava. She's graduated. And it feels bittersweet, like, oh boy, what is this going to be like to have one that's mostly going to be out of the home because I'm not expecting her to come home every weekend. I want her to enjoy the community there. And then my youngest is going into grade 12. So I have sort of one last year with him at home before he moves to do his thing. And it's a bit scary and exciting and weird. And Mark and I are often looking at each other saying, we have free time again. What are we going to do? We need more friends. We need more hobbies because we have big chunks of time that are ours now, which haven't been because of all the driving and carpooling right. and kids activities. So yeah, transition is definitely a part of everyday life for many of us. Yeah. How about you, Crystal? Uh, when, when I was young, uh, I had lots of different transitions because my parents went onto the mission field when I was a year and a half. And so I went from kind of an isolated Abbotsford community with parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts that loved me because I was the only grandchild oh. to just this really foreign world. And we were for, first spent some time in Pennsylvania and then they went to Calcutta and then they went to Kathmandu, Nepal and then Bootwell where we lived and then back to Kathmandu for my brother's birth and like just lots and lots of transitions as a little kid. And so that really affected me um, just in terms of how I dealt with change when I was little. I just yeah. was much more unsettled and I didn't know kind of who was going to be permanent people in my life. So that was something I had to deal with, even going into kindergarten and other things when we came back here. Um, I just wasn't, I found that really difficult, I think. Do you think you as were fearful as a kid, a little bit resistant to change? Yeah, do you think? I'm wondering mm-hmm. who is going to disappear next and yeah. who is permanent, who is going to stay in my life, because yeah. there were just so many different people over that three-year period. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was big. But then after that, they've been really, my parents have been really stable in terms of they they're still in the same house they built then in like 1974, they've added onto it and changed it and renovated it, but same place. Mm-hmm. And Bob and I have only lived in two houses since we've been married. So those things have stayed the same, but there's still, yeah, 
curveballs that life throws you that you don't expect and you know different financial things and different jobs lots of different jobs like so becoming a pastor yeah. in the last few years that's and a that big was change my biggest like I've had other ones like you know Clayton going off to university and other things that have been a transition but I think in terms of something I was looking forward to and dreading at the same time it was that kind of coming into that role because I thought am I actually going to be able to do this and manage it and is my family going to fall apart and my kids and I gonna can I keep up the housework and the school and the work and all these things and so as I began it with it was with a lot of kind of trepidation and fear yeah. and what am I going to do in the summer times when I have to work and my kids have yeah, to be at school right. and or at home and what am I going to how am I going to manage it lots yeah. so, of questions practical questions yeah it felt like this big unknown and I thought mm-hmm. well I just will walk through a week at a time and sort it out as I go and but yeah there's just lots of things that you don't know as yeah. you work work through change so. We wanted to recognize in this podcast that there are positive transitions that we face and there's negative transitions that we face. And sometimes we want to transition to some new phase of life, but we can't for different reasons. So we want to talk about those three categories and recognizing that even in the positives, there's emotions that go alongside it. So in a positive transition, what are examples of, of positive transitions? That's when something new is happening, like a new child, a baby comes in, totally rocks your world. Maybe your kids are going off to school or changing into a different level of schooling. So yeah. that's going from elementary to middle or onto high school, university, as yeah. you're going through. You guys have both gone ahead of me. Yeah. I'll learn from you as we go. Which is partly why we chose the topic, because we're heading into September soon, and it's, for many people, a sort of a natural transition point. Many mm-hmm. kids are making the next change, preschool to kindergarten to whatever. It's tough. Yeah, and a, good. New, a new job, like I said, is a transition, right? Something yeah. that you're transitioning into that way. Yeah. Some people are heading into things like retirement. And so they're leaving behind the everyday work world and heading into something where maybe they have the more free time or they can travel or things like that. So that's a positive transition. Yeah. Maybe getting married. Yes. Changing into a new relationship status. Yeah. Or a new job that you've always wanted and you finally have it. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. getting a new roommate. Mm-hmm. Having a new housing situation, new roommate, trying to get used to that person. Yeah. yeah. Their quirks. Yeah. And your so own quirks. What are some of the emotions that come around transitions, even the good transitions? So I mentioned before that it's a bit bittersweet. Yeah. So there's a lot of good things with positive transitions, things we've been hoping for and waiting for. But with that is still some anxiety, some fear for the future, some of that, um, for me, that bitter, like, oh, I'm leaving behind the day-to-day parenting. And I won't see her as much. Bittersweet. Yeah, it's like a grief, a, a loss okay. in, in some ways. Maybe not as challenging as some people would have, but it is definitely something that's hard. Yeah, it, they're not. It's not always comfortable no. to do a transition, even if it's positive. There's often goodbyes. Yeah, right. Whether you're changing country or community, yeah, or just having a child or somebody leave your home. Yeah, there's a goodbye there. Yeah. Yeah, there's a loss of control. Like you mm-hmm. feel like you've been able to kind of manage their circumstances and the people that they yeah. know and kind of what they watch and all those kind of things because they're <laughs> in your household and now all of a sudden they're kind of, they're stepping out into their own way and you have a good to thing. just, it is a good thing. Like when your child can drive for the first time yeah. by themselves, which yeah. I'm on the verge of number two being able to do that. And that's a really great thing that he can go off with his friends, but I, it was terrifying when my daughter first oh. took the car on her own with her in and could do mm. her own thing because... We want them to be safe and secure. A whole nother and, level of anxieties. <laughs> yeah. And it's, we want them to be able to do these things, but it's still scary. First, you're worried about their teeth coming in the right way, and then you're worried <laughs> yeah. about them driving safely. <laughs> I know, it's true. Yeah, loneliness is part of transitions. Like you said, the saying goodbye, right? It can be even a good transition that you're excited about. Mm-hmm. You can all of a sudden your community changes. And even at a new job, you have to get to know a whole new yeah. group of people. And yeah. 
I remember yeah. that when we arrived in um, Madagascar for the first time, we were looking forward to it. We've been working towards it for like two years of our marriage. When we got there, Kevin went off to his first day of um, working and I sat in that empty house in a new country, not being able to speak to the people around me and I just wept. Uh-huh. I just sat on the floor with all this new furniture and just cried and tile cried. ceiling, like who puts a tile ceiling on their house? And I just cried. Yeah. It's all unfamiliar. Yeah. I just don't know where I fit here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Negative transitions. What are some examples of negative transitions that we don't want or we didn't kind of bring upon ourselves? Maybe. Yeah. These are hard. Yeah. So these are things like maybe somebody has received a very challenging health diagnosis. Mm. Parkinson's, MS, cancer. These are negative transitions. What is life going to look like now? Yeah. Uh, separation, divorce, um, death, um, things like where maybe you, your child is would like to do a transition, but they can't, they aren't able to for health reasons or for learning disability reasons or for things like that. These are really tough, these kinds of negative transitions. Or you see somebody that you love doing make moving on to a place where they are no longer in community with you. Maybe yeah. they've made some poor decision, yeah. decisions and they're just out of your life now. Yeah. And you need to walk through that transition. Or they're in your life you and you're like not accepting. Doing. Yeah, you're not appreciating what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moving parents to a care home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or seeing them become older, dementia, Alzheimer's, things like this, really challenging to deal with. It is a transition. It's a negative one. It's not anything that we wanted or signed up for. No, but we have to walk through it. We don't have a choice. Yeah, and that can be things like maybe a spouse gets a new job in a different town or province and you follow that spouse wherever they're going. That's tough. It can be good, but it can be negative. You're, you didn't ask to leave the town where you were in or the school or the community that you were in. Yeah. What about sometimes, like we said, sometimes people can't transition as they want to, so they're kind of stuck. Yeah. So I'm thinking of like the person who wants to get married and all their friends are kind of moving into a new mm-hmm. phase of life and they can't. Yeah, uh, because they haven't they've found that person yet oh, or the person I, who wants to have a baby and all their friends are having babies and they can't. It's like yeah. a transition by default. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't get to make the transition. Be, yeah. But everybody else is. Yeah. yeah. You, you called that before, Aaron, the missed transitions. Mm. Like we want to transition, but we can't. So even people who are wanting to retire and travel and do adventurous things, but maybe they can't because of the health or the health of their spouse. And so it's something you want to do, but you can't. And it's very hard because you didn't sign up for that. You had these hopes and these dreams and it's not coming to reality. And these goals, yeah. Um, So what are those emotions? We talked about the emotions as a positive. So what are the emotions associated with negative transitions or like that lack of being able to transition? What do people experience? We can be so disappointed and frustrated and even really angry. When I think of parents who want their children to transition, they want them to go to school or to work or to university or something, and the child won't or can't. Maybe they choose to sort of be lazy and stay at home and not get a job and not go to university. Those parents are really, they love their child, but at the same time, they're so disappointed and angry and frustrated Frustrated. with their child, not wanting to kind of move on. So there's a whole pile of emotions and sometimes we don't look good to the people around us because it it looks better if we have a certain plan or our kids follow a certain plan but our life is not doing that and we feel ashamed uh, ashamed sorry of what's going on in our life it can be hard to go to church and hold your head up high yeah and there's a grief too a lot of those transitions have a loss involved yeah loss of community or loss of status yeah um, maybe if somebody's retired and they've always found that kind of part of themselves as highlighted 
because of the kind of job that they did. And now they're like, well, I'm who am I now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my there purpose. Can, yeah. There can be deep jealousy. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of um, moms and dads that would love to be moms and dads, but can't yet. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they've tried fertility treatments of different sorts and they can't have kids. And they see their friends having kids and there is a deep jealousy and a resentment and an anger towards God and a, a wanting to isolate from those people people who are having kids and you're not at that stage of life with them, it's really challenging. Yeah. I think guilt can be part of it too. Mm-hmm. Like we wonder if we're to blame for things that are going on for yeah. us, either the, whether God's punishing us or whether we're to blame for the decisions our kids are making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, did I cause this? Is there something that I did wrong? Yeah. Right. Questioning can be part of it. I sit with a lot of people who are struggling because of deep negative transitions. Like they want to be married but can't find someone. They want... Um, to have a better marriage, but it's right now in a dud-like state, right. or they want to have children and they're struggling with this kind of thing. So if it's another person who puts you in that place of an unattainable hope yeah, and that transition, then that's a, there's a forgiveness piece there yeah. because that person has to some degree like harmed you, I yeah. guess. Hurt you. Hurt you. Yeah. 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 What are challenges to be aware of as we are going into transition? So whether they're positive or negative, what are the things we need to kind of keep in mind um, just about ourselves and the people around us? The first thing that comes to mind for me is personality. We are so different, each of us, and we handle change differently. So here at Northview, for example, I work in the pre-marriage programs, and we give an option to the pre-married couples to do uh, what's called Prepare and Rich. It's a survey, relational assessment survey. And one of the pieces they look at is how willing are you to change? Hmm. How stubborn are you against change? And couples can be very different one from another. Mm -hmm. And so one person is very willing to change, leave their job, leave their community, try something new. And the other one's like, whoa, 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 I like my cereal at this time every day. And then (laughs) I like my job that I go to and I'm going to stay there until I retire. And I want to stay in this house, in this neighborhood by my parents. And it's very different approaches to change. And we have to talk through that because it can cause a lot of stress and tension between couples or sort of between individuals in in a couple if they are different on that. And even in our families, we can see that one kid responds to change differently than the next kid does. And we have to adjust how we do things based on the person that is experiencing the change. Yeah. And then some of that can be a kickback from that story. Like if you were going to Nepal and Kathmandu and you didn't yeah. want to have all that change as a small child, and then you come back and you're like, I'm going to do everything stable <laughs> from now on, right? Yeah. And so there could be a really logical reason why yes. someone is like, and they can change that too. If it's, yeah. if it's not just personality, if it's kind of a kickback from yeah. Yeah. a different circumstance. Yeah. And then sometimes people facing the same situation can just have different responses to it. Like yes. you, at the kindergarten door, I just remember, like some moms are like, yes, freedom. <laughs> and other moms are like, oh, I can't imagine my day without Joey here at home with me. I know, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And that's the same for middle school, high school, universities. There are some people who embrace it and run with it and go to the next thing and others who are crippled for a time. And it's yeah. important to note that that's not wrong. No. Not to be like Either. the sad mummy at the door yeah. or to be the rejoicing mom. No. Oh, and like I've probably both. been both at different times. <laughs> but we kind of look with kind of condemnation or judgment it's against true. people who are not approaching change the same us. way. Yeah. 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 So if we're the person that's really emotionally tied, mm. we think the mom who's cheering isn't doesn't love their kid as much. And yeah. if we think that you know, for the mom that's cheering, we think, well, that person's just, they're not as caring or about you, their child. Or, when yeah. you have a child who won't go across that door threshold at in kindergarten and then the door finally closes and you're like I feel so condemned all these parents are looking at me and I cannot manage my child yeah that happens with my dog when I walk him 
<laughs> he's very badly behaved and I think everyone's <laughs> condemning me for being a bad owner. <laughs> but yes, so we have different personalities in the midst of these things. So I think it's important for us to even ask, so how are you, how is this transition affecting you? Yeah. Not assume a certain thing. No. Not assume that they're going to be emotional, not assume that they're going to be rejoicing, not assume how they're going to be because we don't want to put judgment on how people are responding, right? So we can yeah. ask like, how is, yeah. And if you're, the impact of this? If you're feeling a certain way, ask a lot of people because if you're the parent that's crying at the door and you only talk to one parent who's rejoicing, you'll feel a lot of discouragement and mm. feel like you're so terrible. Whereas if you talk to a wide variety of parents, you'll realize that some are like you and you'll go, oh, oh phew, somebody is thinking like me and I'm normal. And that's yeah. helpful. Yeah. I think also be aware that change takes time. So we're heading into September and that's a major transition time for a lot of families. If your child is struggling, it's normal for September and into October, maybe to Thanksgiving, to be lurchy is my word. It's back and forth, mm -hmm. up and down, all over the place as, as we all adjust to a new normal. But if that continues into like November and December, we'll talk about that. That's a different thing. But a new transition is always tough. A new job, a new town, a new marriage, a new everything. A few weeks, months of lurchy change is totally okay. Like I have somebody in my life whose son has been traveling the world and he's now back home and she's worried that he's not going to be able to sort of settle into everyday working life because it's not as exciting as he's went since he's been traveling the world. Yeah. And I said, well, it's okay. Like, you know, a few months he might be yeah, a little grumpy, a little irritable, not willing to go to work. He might be all over the place because it was exciting and now it's kind of day to day. So totally give him grace to be whatever for a couple of months. After that, then we should talk again. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, okay. Because she was sort of thinking it should immediately click in. And she was worried that he hasn't sort of picked that up right away. He's feeling a little depressed and discouraged and antsy feet. But that's okay. That's totally normal. Right. So it's okay if it's just a, a first instinctual emotion yeah. to kind of wallow in that a little bit yeah. if you need to for a bit. And then set up some new boundaries yeah. so that things don't become bad habits. A little patience and grace at the start of a transition for mm -hmm. everybody involved. And for yourself, too. Yeah. New think, baby, and you yeah. think, well, the parents need grace, and the child, the new child, and the siblings that are a little bit older need some grace. Everybody needs grace in this adjustment to a new normal. Mm -hmm. Totally fine. Yeah. I think sometimes we're quick to even self-diagnose ourselves as having anxiety disorders yes. or stress disorders because we're feeling stressed. Well, it's just a normal part of life that this is going to be stressful. Mm -hmm. Yes. So just expect it. Don't... Don't you don't have to run to counseling or medication, not that those are wrong, but you have to recognize that, yes, if you're 19, 20, 21, and you're just come out of grade 12, it's going to be tough for the first few years as you figure out which school, which job, which career, should I date this person or not date this person? Which direction should I head? Should I live at home? Should I live somewhere else? Which, and your friendship groups yeah, are going to change and people are going to be all over the place. unsettling. Like it's totally normal to feel unsettled, to feel anxious, to feel a level of stress because there are a lot of big things going on, a lot of changes that have been made totally normal not anything that we have to worry about right away right. we just have to encourage well we'll go into coping uh, yeah. sorry i'm leaping ahead well <laughs> i think before we go into coping we want to mm -hmm. say so when are the danger signals when do you say hold on actually we need to deal with this because it's getting unhealthy so yeah. what would you say is 
like you said, if it goes on longer than yeah. a couple of months. I so, think, oh, sorry. Yeah. So if your child, for example, is has started a new thing like university or high school and it's getting worse by November, mm-hmm. December, more tears, more discouragement, not wanting to leave the house, not wanting to do hobbies and interests, not wanting to get together with friends, not doing their schoolwork well. If it's going getting worse, you really have to pay attention. You really have to possibly get some help. Talk to a teacher, talk to a good trusted friend, maybe a counselor, a pastor, somebody because if you see it spiraling down, getting darker, more despair, more discouragement, mm-hmm. more anger, bitterness, that kind of thing, that those are serious red flags. Yeah, It should be lurchy for a while, but, but it should, should kind of get better and get to yeah. a more of a new normal where people are like, okay, in a new zone of, okay, we can manage this. Yeah. 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 So bad habits could develop is yes. something else we talked about, right? Like it, you could start eating more yes. or not eating enough and your health could be affected because your habits, you're not exercising because yeah. you're not out in the community. You're not leaving the house all day. If that, right. if maybe there's some pain issues or. Um, so those things something. are okay temporarily because mm-hmm. in a lurchy transition, we do things that aren't always healthy. Healthy. We might watch mm-hmm. too much TV. We might eat too much. We might not exercise enough. So we might end. be a little irritable or grumpy. That's totally fine if it's sort of temporary. And temporary, I mean like a few weeks, a few months, like you said, when you came back from Africa, it could take a few months to readjust to Canadian life. But. If it continues past that and it develops into a more solid pattern of yeah. bad habits that will hurt you, please, yeah, go get help. Yeah, and I think if it becomes a real um, self-pity mode, mm-hmm. then that is really dangerous too. Yeah. So it's, you know, if we're going through tough times, it's nece- it's normal for us to feel maybe sorry for ourselves for a bit. But if it becomes to the point where we think that our sorrows are worse than anybody else's, that we're just in, fully enwrapped in thinking about how bad our life is, and how good everybody else's is, is or whatever, then it's just gonna get into a spiral of just inward focused, not looking at anybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And snapping at the people that try and help us. Yeah. Often when you're in that self pity zone, Very like prickly. you kind of were in grade eight or whatever right. there, right? Then you get prickly towards other people and then that makes it worse because then people don't want to come around you because <laughs> yeah. you're all prickly and you're like Who snapping at them. Prickly people? Yeah, I know. it's hard. And self-pity is okay temporarily. Mm-hmm. So if you have had something really difficult happen, yeah, you are allowed to feel self-pitying for a get while. Get some ice cream and could sit be, down that's and right. just It indulge. could be, you know, I have done where I, for me, for myself, I've put the timer on the stove for 20 minutes and had a full on out snot and cry fest and beat the pillow and, you know, be angry with God, not, respectfully, not angry or swearing at him, just, I'm mm. so angry, this is so unfair, this is not what I asked for, all that kind of thing. But then after 20 minutes, I have to dry my tears and do something else to get out of it because I don't want to be in a self-pitying zone for weeks on end. No, it just gets more and more set and bitter and hard. But it is okay temporarily. Self-pity day, a self-pity week even if your kid is really hurting for something. Absolutely. And angry at God? Yes. Okay. Totally okay to be angry with God. Tell him what you're feeling. He knows it anyways. Tell him truly what you are feeling. But again, not in a sinful way, not swearing at him, not speaking disrespectfully, but saying, Lord, you understand, you're my father, you know how I'm feeling, and I'm so angry, this is not what I wanted. I wanted this, I have this, I don't want it. Help me out, Lord. That's very, very helpful. I have a lot of people that meet with me that are angry with God for something because they are not getting what they would really like. Somebody in their life is hurting health-wise or they're not having the child that they wanted or the marriage that they wanted. And it's totally okay to be angry with God. Yeah, Yeah. it's just what that brings us to then. And at some point we need to come to that place where we're willing to say, let your will be done, right? Right? Can we get past that place of our own will 
uh, to submitting to his and believing in his trust and his promises. Yeah, like oh, Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. He didn't want the cross. And he but said, he expressed that yeah. fully to God, and he was in agony yes. physically because of the suffering he knew he was going to mm-hmm. face, and he didn't want it. But eventually but he, said, he your, will, through it. your will be done. Yeah. Or the opposite is the Israelites coming out of, out of um, Egypt. Egypt, and they go you know, across the... The river and now they grumble it's yeah. not this is this is actually a positive transition you are no longer slaves slavery, yeah. <laughs> but it didn't feel like what they had hoped it would feel like and then all of a sudden they're there and they're grumbling and they're upset and they're angry and it got into bad kind of slid off the, the side there yeah into because they spot. became disobedient in mm-hmm. it they acted out of their moaning and complaining and so what would god have wanted from them at that point to say i this is not what i wanted this is not what i hoped for but lord help mm-hmm. me to see the good things, help me to see where you're working, help me to see how I can worship you and serve you yet in this new land. Yeah, worshiping Yeah, like, and being thankful even. Oh, yeah. that's hard yeah. to do. Thank you for this opportunity to grow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, um, and to learn to trust you, right? Yeah. We don't know where help's coming from, Lord. You know, you're giving us this opportunity to learn how to trust. Mm-hmm. I had told you, the two of you before, but this summer marks the 17th year that my brother passed away. And so at the time, it was a sudden death, and it was a very hard thing for our family. Um, I was, Ava was one, and I was pregnant with Carter, and so it was just challenging mm. for me physically as well. So hard. And yet, in the time, even the day of and that week after his death, I saw God at work, living and active. There were obvious moments where he was present. And so after that week passed, I wrote them down. Because my parents were in a place where they couldn't think like or of anything. They were in a complete fog. They, even to this day, they don't remember a single thing about mm. that week. Mm. Whereas for me, it went into crystal clear mode. Mm. And I remember yeah, every like single hypersensitive. thing. Hypersensitive. Yeah. Hypersensitive. Yeah. So I wrote down the God stories so that when I look back, I can remember that even in the worst possible transitions, death is one of the worst possible that we know that God is living and active and He is working in it, even though it is really horrible. Yeah. And so if you are a journaler, or if you want to write those kinds of things down that are happening in your life, do that. Some people blog or whatever they do, because it's helpful to sometimes know what God is doing and see Him at mm-hmm. work. What would be other practical coping mechanisms? So you and I have been listening, Crystal, to Tim Keller this week. Um, he has... Uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, well, it pod- was it was filmed at the Women's Gospel Coalition mm-hmm. conference, which just took place in June. We couldn't go this year because no. our daughters are graduating. We've been the last at the last two, but he was just talking about prayer. It was a pre two pre conference sessions, yep. actually three. He does one on prayer, then his wife, and then they do a Q and A together yeah. on prayer. And they're both all three would be great to listen to. Absolutely. The first one he talks about prayer in the Psalms, and he talks about relating to two difficult times in our life, how when we are going through difficult times, it is helpful to pray the Psalms as your prayer, because sometimes when we're in a tough spot, we can't think of what to pray. So he talks about praying the Psalms. It's so good. So go to gospelcoalition.org, then go under the heading events, and look for the one called Resurrection Hope in a World of Suffering. I yeah. think that's what it's called. Yeah, that's the name of the conference. Mm-hmm. It was all in the book of First Peter. And the and pre-session so 
ones is what we're talking about with Tim Keller. You'll see that listed there and you can listen to it or you can watch it online. So good. good. Yeah. yeah. And the third one, which is the Q&A between him and his wife, was actually just really refreshing to yeah. listen to because they're very opposite personalities. And his wife is like very charismatic and kind of expressive and he's very calm and very academic. Know, academic. And just even to hear the different personalities and how they interact with God in difficult situations was yeah. refreshing because sometimes yeah. we think, oh, you have to be this way or oh, you have to be that way. Yeah. But they, yeah, and they expressed how one time she said that she hated his prayer. No. <laughs> and the, like just those little things. Like It was really encouraging. Yeah, she's very outspoken. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, it was good. I think it's also really important to make sure you've got community around you. So if you've changed, if your transition means that you've lost some of your community, you've had to say goodbye to people, then you need to find some new people. Yes. I need people. We all need people. It doesn't matter if you're an extrovert or introvert, which we've talked about before, but yeah. it just... You need those people around you, the ones who can kick your butt and say, hey, attitude check, and the other ones who can just love and care and serve you, and also that you can reciprocate and care for other people around you. Yeah. And that you can pray together or have fun, laugh together, and then feel like you're building up a new space, a new community. Yeah. And sometimes we get kind of in a transition, we can be kind of um, stuck in our house a little bit, whether that's because of pain management or... It, nobody's doing the same thing you are anymore. Maybe all your friends got married and you're like, I don't even know who to hang out with. Yep. I mean, it's, then it's probably really hard work, but there's you need to get a new community or, mm-hmm. or develop some new side community to your existing friends who may have yeah. changed, changed themselves. Yeah. When our kids were going through their toddler years, early elementary school years, middle school, high school, uh, the one advantage I've had over my husband, Mark, is that I'm the one who's generally dropping off, standing mm-hmm. in the playground, standing outside the classroom door, in the school, that kind of thing. So I've had a lot of parents that I can talk to, men and women, grandparents, nannies mm-hmm. that are picking up their kids. And so they aren't necessarily my best friends, but they're people I can ask, how have you faced that? What are you doing about this? And I have a lot of information I get from all of these people that I just happen to chat with. My husband works alone at home, so he hasn't had a lot of chance to talk with other parents. So he didn't always know how to deal with some of the transitions we were facing and yet I would say well this family's done this and this family's done that and we could pick and choose what worked for us because not everybody's advice and wisdom is going to work for us and for our kids yeah so talk to a wide range of people kind of take what you like and discard the rest yeah and I think that being in community also helps us keep perspective on the fact that other people are going through things too and so it protects us from that self-pity zone yeah Mm -hmm. because we just realize oh yeah it's not just me everybody's going through stuff yeah. So the community helps in that way. Mm-hmm. What are some spiritual truths that we can learn in the midst of difficult times? How does God use them in our lives? Well, I know for me that scripture is important because he talks about in Second Corinthians 1, maybe you can read the verse about how he comforts us um, through all of our trials. Yeah, and we, we can comfort others with the comfort he's given us. Can you read that one? Yeah, blessed be the God. This is for Second Corinthians 1, 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with a comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Mm -hmm. So when I think about, for example, 17 years ago when my brother passed away, and over the years, how many people have I been able to empathize with because of Mm -hmm. a grief or a loss or a death or something? And I mean, I've had others as well, but we can understand where people are coming from. We can go, oh, that is so hard. That is painful. That is really tough. I'm so sorry you're going through that. It's really important that we go through difficult transitions because we need to understand other people around us. Mm -hmm. 
We also have to remain um, guarded, right? And in scripture, it tells us that to make sure we're guarding ourselves from be- being becoming sinful. Mm. So in our anger, don't sin. In And there's so many things there about... Like forgiving others when they've hurt us yeah. and being compassionate and kind regardless mm. of our circumstances. Right. Yeah. Being content, finding joy. Yeah. yeah. Transitions can often identify the things in our life that might be unhealthy attachments mm. for us, like things that we've relied on for happiness or yeah. joy and all of a sudden they're gone and then we, we realize how much. So I know when I went from being a working person to being at, at, at home mother, I realized how much of my identity had been bound yeah. up in the fact that I could actually produce things and at the end of the day I could have a to-do list that was done and I felt like people, my peers appreciated me and all that yeah. stuff and I realized I didn't think I was, that that was so important to me but then all of a sudden I realized, oh, I don't have anybody kind of applauding my efforts anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, what do I think about myself? Am I a good person totally. or not? And so it, it pokes at those pieces in your life that maybe God's saying, ah, you know what, you're too dependent on this or you need to change that in your life. So I know, I know it's never fun, but those no. are good. it's good for us to learn. Well, we need to grow spiritually. As Christians, we want to grow. We want to be more like Christ, which means that some things need to be uh, rub- rubbed off. The rough edges need to be rubbed off. And mm-hmm. we need to be disciplined sometimes. We need to be encouraged in other areas. So it, all of these transitions are good for our spiritual growth if yeah. we allow it to be, yeah. and if we recognize it and grow from it. Mm-hmm. And, and prayer, like, it can't be said enough that that goes hand in hand with community too, to be yeah. prayerful. And why not develop a habit of going to your other Christian family and saying, hey, we're going through a transition. Can you pray with me through this transition? Yeah. That we'll be protected from, you know, in my vulnerable situation of being lonely, I'm not going to go off and have an affair. I'm not, go- yeah. you know, like yeah. those kind of protective prayers and to yeah. speak that to your, your community around you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think it's also important for us to remember and learn that whatever we're facing isn't eternal here. And uh, so we, we, there will be an end to it. And I know mm-hmm. that you've said at different times that people come into you and say, well, I know it's not eternal, but I, I still don't feel it. I know. And so I think that's where we need to just hang on to God's word and say, like, this isn't what I, I don't feel this right now. I don't feel like praising you. I don't feel thankful. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like this is ever going to end, but I'm going to hold on to the fact that that it will, and that you have a better home prepared yeah. for me. We act on obedience even if we don't feel like it. Yeah, That's oh, yeah. very hard. We often want to operate on our feelings, but we actually need to operate on what we know to be right and true based on God's Word. And the only thing that yeah. is true and eternal is His Word. Yeah. All, all flesh is like grass. It says so many times throughout the Scriptures, though. People will, will pass away quickly, mm-hmm. but His Word will stand forever. Yeah. So we wanted to leave you with James 1. Uh, verses two to four, probably a familiar passage to many of you, especially those of you who have studied James this (laughs) this last year, and those precepts people will be doing it next year. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So let's pray to that end. Mm -hmm. Lord, I thank you that you uh, came to this earth and you lived a perfect life, Jesus, and you died in our in our place, and you offer us now eternal life. Lord, we thank you that we have that hope to look forward to, uh, that we can know for a fact that the suffering, the frustration, the anger that we are experiencing now will not be something that we have to experience eternally. And thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you and in your promises in that. So Lord, I pray that in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our sufferings, that you would help us learn how to count it joy, how to make a decision to be joyful in the midst of it, and that Mm -hmm. we would let you do the work that you want to in our lives in the midst of it, that you would let us 
or that you would help us to allow you to produce steadfastness within us, um, that you would make us perfect and complete through the midst of these things, mm-hmm. that we would allow you to do that work rather than being sidelined by bitterness and jealousy and anger, Lord. We pray that you would uh, make these things fruitful in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. I just pray your blessing and your encouragement on anyone who's listening. Uh, Thank you for this day. Amen. Amen.